Okay, so we'll start it at, this is going to be recording this at this volume. Uh, you know what, we're just going to, I'm just going to go into it. We're just going to go into it. I think that's probably fine. It is probably what it is. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, this is Joshua V. Hill. Um, and this is uh, Bottom Fidelity, episode nine. This episode is late supposed to come out for last week didn't come out i got sick um basically it was like a little head cold thing so now that that happened um your boy while in the throes of head cold got entrenched in ghostwire tokyo and so i've been obsessed with that game uh and i might just dive in talking about that now but yeah i got obsessed with that game um and yeah it's just been a whole whirlwind so this might be like a short one because it's the first day i've actually felt good sounded good to be able to actually like do anything uh when it comes to podcasting of the like so we're just gonna do this as like a slight recap of last week slight recap slight recap slight re oh recap while my body's exploding as you can see in my disheveled state i have uh you know, tried to get this together. Like I said, last couple days, I've been playing basically nonstop uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. And that game is, uh, it's uh, now, I, I agree with a lot of the criticism of Ghostwire Tokyo in so much as it's not really like pushing gaming boundaries it's not really doing anything that hasn't been done right it's not really going anywhere teaching us anything interesting um in a sense right but like i would have one big qualm to pick with that i think even though the game is very much taking a lot of very similar beats from the genre of open world I really don't think we've actually had too many other open worlds. You don't, you don't, I don't think you get too many open worlds that deal specifically in Japanese mythology. And I think that is really cool. Um, this game felt like a combination between like Devil May Cry and Persona uh, with like Yu Yu Hakusho, you know, like sprinkled in there. Um I can understand, like, the fighting, it's not very expansive what you have to do, but ultimately I kind of like how kinetic, there, there's my word, kinetic, again, uh, I think I kind of like how kinetic the game is, how kinetic the game feels, how it kind of moves, how you kind of move within it, how, you know, the whole entire idea of, like, you're trying to get these cores, but the enemies, you can, you're trying to get the enemies' cores, you know, you're trying to get that whole, like, you know, uh, charge game going, but... Also, you can just kill the enemies regularly without getting their cores, and that kind of changes the whole dynamic and kind of introduces different stuff. Um, and then I think the world is really great. Now, this game is doing something that another game recently I had played was also doing, uh, which is just the music. There, there's not a lot of music in this game. And so I have a resort, I have resorted to like throwing on some like lo-fi hip hop and running around the city vanquishing ghosts and doing all that stuff and it actually kind of like works really well which makes me wish that the game had a lo-fi hip-hop soundtrack to it by itself because 
I do like the music that plays during the boss battles and during the fights, but that's basically all that the only time that music is played is in those scenarios and in some some of the interior uh dungeon areas where you go and like release the creatures and kind of do that whole entire thing uh there's not any you're just running around the city and you just get the sound of rain and you know if you're in certain areas in shibuya that you get some of like the music like the you hear some of the club music and some of the you know some of that atmosphere but it doesn't it's not enough in my opinion to make you want to kind of like go around the open world and especially with how this open world is designed with how like desolate it is and how kind of uh where there's not anything around a part of me says well it does work without music and a part of me says it's actually kind of boring without music uh, and I could see why a lot of people would think that this game is boring. For some reason, this game has just tickled an itch with me. I haven't minded mindlessly collecting all the ghosts. I haven't minded like mindlessly going around and finding the statues and the little uh, tanuki and all of the all of the different little like kind of collectathons that you do in this game. I don't know why it isn't really kind of making me mad. Uh, like it used to. I used to play the Assassin's Creed games and the collectathons would just r annoy the hell out of me. I would just hated them. Um, but for some reason, maybe it's because it has been so long. This game, the collectathon aspect of it really just doesn't, it doesn't bother me that much. And I, I actually kind of like it. Uh, it actually kind of works for me. So I don't know, take that what you with what you will, but I, I would say this game is fun. Uh, I really like the aesthetic. I love learning all the little like lore tidbits about Japanese, uh, you know, folklore. I think if this wasn't about Japanese folklore and wasn't so rooted and grounded within Tokyo, uh, I do think the game would kind of lose a little bit of its like uniqueness and luster and even reason for playing which i think says something about like the, again what i was saying earlier i don't think the game's pushing any boundaries i don't think it's doing anything like you know revolutionary when it comes to like open world games though i do like some of the little stuff that it's kind of doing um how it's couching everything in uh the story a little bit more you know there are games that gate the open world uh, through storyline, right? The way that this game did it is kind of cool with the whole Tory Gates. I thought it was interesting. I also like the fact that you're there's a resource in the game that is locked behind some certain quests, like certain side quests that you do, and that resource is required for you to unlock powers, but it's also behind story content. So I thought that was kind of interesting because it at least gives you like a reason to do the side content besides just it being there. And you get a somewhat of a reward for it, which is always a problem that I've kind of had with side content in open world games and just in general, uh, is that if it's not super duper interesting or kind of fun to find in the spot that it's at, it makes it begs the question why should i even do it and why am i wasting my time here and then if that starts bleeding out into the rest of the game i might stop staying stop playing the game after a while you know and so that's the thing that i think you kind of risk doing that thing but i don't think this game did that i think this game's killing it i think this game's great it's great it's been a really good thing uh, uh helping me through this little bit of a head cold thing that i got uh 
and tested no COVID. So, you know, must have been a little head cold thing. Uh, but yeah, playing Ghostwire Tokyo, I thought it was great. I think it's worth the money. It is short in a sense, you know, like I said, you're probably not getting as much content as you would say out of like an Elder Ring or like any of the Bethesda open worlds, you know, like when I, you know, coming from talking about like step fallout 76 and the, how massive that map is this map is not nearly as massive it's actually smaller than i thought it was going to be which is always kind of a disappointment with the open world game but it is dense in a way uh so that's at least good though i feel like this game could do with like one or two maybe even three more things happening on the map regularly uh which might be i guess you know, room for a sequel or something like that. I'm not 100% sure, but, you know, that's my uh, take on Ghostwire Tokyo. I'd say it's fun. Um, it's not going to blow your socks off. Uh, if you do like the kind of, if you do like Japanese folklore, if you do like kind of Tokyo and depictions of it and, you know, this being a seemingly pretty decent one, uh, you feel very much like you're in Tokyo. I've never been, but it seems like all of the depictions. So, you know, I would say play it, but, you know, you're not missing too much if you don't. Um, and I don't think it's, you know, it's a good showing for Tango. Uh, I hope that they kind of push into the open world more. I really love what they do when it comes to the random glitching and random like crazy artifacts and, you know, world perspective shifting stuff is really cool. And I think putting a lot more of that in a game like this or an action um, oriented first person game, I think would, you know, speak volumes and do a lot of cool, you know, a lot of you could do a lot of cool stuff with it, you know. So on top of that, I've been recently also getting through uh, Renegade Platinum, the ROM hack, um, Pokemon ROM hack, uh, Blaze Black and Volt 2 Redux, I think just recently came out. That is one I've been meaning to play too, that I've been seeing everybody kind of playing. A lot of people kind of blow up on Twitch and whatnot, because that one's been long in the tooth. Um, kind of a redo of, uh, uh, what is his name, Drano or whatever? I don't remember. The guy that does these crazy DS ROM hacks. Um, but anyways, I'm playing Renegade Platinum at the moment. And uh, I do really appreciate the game, though. You know, I think you run into this, and you don't run into this this much in Drano's uh rom hacks um and really really good rom hacks but you do run into it a lot of times in like fan made stuff is the pacing at certain points kind of gets funky even more funky than like a typical game in this genre would where the pacing kind of confuses you you don't necessarily know where to go i'm talking about like you know pokemon gold syndrome you know where you don't really have a clear path at a certain point um that happened recently with me with Renegade Platinum and it kind of confused me as to what exactly I was supposed to get to get past this one person but I understand they're putting that kind of gating there because it was in there in the original game because you had to find Pal Park and so there's reasons for this uh but beyond that I think ROM hacks really kind and I hope I, w I really wonder if the people that make the Pokemon games ever play or look at or have any kind of interest in the ROM hacks because they do really kind of show, I think, some of the limited uh, thinking that the Pokemon company originally had when they were creating some of the original versions of these games and kind of shows, one, where you can take these games, how you can balance these games. Like, 
you know, these old school ROM hacks are basically including almost every single Pokemon you can catch, even with some of these ROM hacks, all the way up into the new Pokemon that never even existed in that game back then, right? Um, and the way that this guy and several other ROM hacks that have played that I have played recently have laid out the Pokemon throughout the realm as you're going through it, it's really great. Uh, it's the best in my opinion. Uh, some people think it's too many Pokemon in an area, but I actually think it's great because then it doesn't feel like what most Pokemon games feel like, which is I am just encountering the same five effing Pokemon this entire game. Like I'm going out into the wild and it's always a Zubat. Like I hate that feeling. And I feel like the ROM hacks really kind of go after that because yes, in every area, there are common Pokemon that you do run into more often than not, but you're running into like seven different kinds of Pokemon in an area, you know, with different grass spots in that area, producing also a couple other extra different Pokemon that you didn't even see in that original area. Uh, I, and I just think it helps a lot with kind of making the game feel more alive, more interesting. Like there's more creatures around, like there's kind of more to get, uh, making the world feel more lived in some of the quality of life stuff that gets put into some of these ROM hacks is just amazing and kind of really shows you, in my opinion, where some of these games fall flat. You know, a lot of people like the grindy aspect aspect of JRPGs, and I've kind of like fallen out of love of that in recent years because it's just not fun really anymore to just sit there and spend an entire day like leveling up one character and now we got to spend another another day leveling up another character it you kind of you kind of want some kind of worthwhile progress happening at a little bit of a faster clip and i think that's what these rom hacks also expose about the pokemon games in general um and i think it's just super interesting uh i think it's really really cool uh and i hope more it looks like the pokemon you know company and brand are kind of experimenting with the pokemon games and kind of taking in some of the ideas and considerations from the previous uh from kind of outside sources and kind of like changing dynamics in the game and i hope they kind of continue to push in that direction just because you know pokemon can get real stale and there's been multiple times in the history where people thought that there are things coming straight coming for pokemon you know coming for pokemon's hat and none of that stuff ever ever came to flourishing, but, but you never know, you know? So that's what I've been doing in video games. I just wanted to get that out. Cause that was a part of my explanation of my sickness, I guess, which I'm still partially recovering from, but I think will be mostly fine. Um, you know, of course the big thing that everybody had been talking about this whole entire week and is basically old news. Now at this point is the Will Smith, Chris rock slap, which of course is crazy. Uh, of course, I'm just going to breeze through this because you've probably heard every single opinion on the fucking sun about this shit, but I don't really care about the show of violence. That's not really my problem with it. It just really kind of seemed dumb on his part, like for him, like you want to be the guy known for slapping a dude because he made a like really forgettable joke about your wife and her condition. And it wasn't even like that offensive like barely offensive. Now, granted, I guess, you know, I in the eye of the beholder, I can't decide what's offensive Jada, right? But at the same time, like, I think on the grand scheme of things, we as a society and culture can kind of like point to certain things and be like, that's offensive, that's more offensive, right? And I feel like this is pretty fucking low on, on the fucking grand scheme of like 
you know, offensive jokes about alopecia, but also just offensive jokes in general about people's shit, like body and XYZ things that people make fun of in general. So, you know, to kind of cause that reaction, not talk to him, not like I would have even taken like a said the exact same shit that he said, you know, get my wife's name out of your mouth, but like stormed out instead of walked up on the stage. You know, they supposedly told him to leave and I guess he wouldn't have left because he was winning you know, best actor or whatever, but it just, okay, this is basically where I'm going to leave this for the most part, but I just don't understand why all of the guys that I like become psychopaths. Like that's really where I'm at with this. And it's really kind of fucking me up. Like it's like first it's Kanye and like years of like having to be like, yeah, I know fucking Kanye's crazy, but isn't the music great? And like, isn't the blah, blah, blah. And like, you get to a point where like, you can't defend the guy and then the music starts slipping and then you're like, whatever. And like my problem with like Will Smith even more so is like, there's not really a lot of movies in the last decade to defend that much. I mean, there's a couple here and there that are pretty good, uh, but a lot of weird movies, a lot of flops, a lot of like, uh, I just odd decisions in my opinion when it comes to like movies he decided to be in and then King Richard, which I hadn't seen yet, but you know, pursuit of happiness vibes. Cool. But again, it's nothing I haven't seen Will Smith do. I feel like beyond like him doing a biopic, which I don't think he's done. Well, actually no pursuit of happiness was a biopic. What am I talking about? So yeah. So it's like, you know, it's nothing I haven't seen Will Smith do. Uh, but whatever, he probably killed it, but you know what I mean? Like, and so to be, to kind of subject this whole situation, subject like the end of your career or wherever you consider his career to be at, at this point, the subject to this kind of like ridiculous, uh, situation and scenario that's now going to be, you're now going to be the butt of a joke for the rest of your career. Uh, you know, I don't think it'll ruin his life or anything, but just it's like an odd thing to do for your legacy and for your family. And then and then his whole speech afterwards about it was just so like it was really it's really kind of like, yeah, a person that you uh, it's really kind of seeing like an interesting light of somebody, you know, um, and I think uh, Joe Rogan, who I don't listen to anymore and barely agree with now i think said in his podcast that it was like you know he shat on the table like it was like dad took a shit on the table and that's what it felt like it felt like being in the middle of like a fight between like mom and dad aunt uncle whoever just a really bad fight that you're not a part of but you're there because you're part of the family (laughs) and so and now everybody's uncomfortable and now the night has been turned upside down and now everything that this was supposed to be about it cannot be about because it's going to be about this right and so that applies to things like the fact that he was the fifth uh i think fifth uh black male to win the best male actor award ever you know and that's a pretty monumental like thing right to achieve that is now soured by this weird like show of force for like no reason right uh in a way that could have been handled completely differently and really makes me think because like another big good point that everybody brought out if you then don't start going down conspiracy theory road and thinking that this is some kind of crazy ass conspiracy theory right uh that he this whole thing is staged or whatever if you don't start going down that road um really what you come back down to is this is just it was just a really odd like it 
if really, really odd decision to make, if this is something that Will Smith is willing to do on in public, and you know, in front of millions of people on TV or whatever the fuck, then how is he behind closed doors? How is he, you know? And you don't want to start making these conjectures on somebody and how they handle themselves. But I mean, like, come on, like, it's kind of crazy. Like, you know, because like, I've known people that have been the kind of people that used to sick their significant others on whoever they choose. And it was never a good, it never had a good outcome, um, ever pretty much. And this just screams as like a very high scale, high stakes in everybody's face version of that. And it didn't really need to be in everybody's face. Um, and yeah, it just kind of, it's very, it was very surprising, very surprising. Um, but you know, it is what it is. It's going to be, you know, it's rough. So I was a fan, you know, I'm still a fan, but it's just, it's another insane guy. And I don't, I don't think for me, it's not that people can't be insane. It's like, I just don't understand why all the dudes I like can't be fucking reasonable, <laughs> you know? <clears throat> um, but so speaking of award shows, um, and that award show being, uh, whatever interrupted, changed, done with what have you speaking of award shows. Uh, we had the Grammys happen. We had a couple great fucking things happen, even though I don't really give a fuck about award shows. I'm glad people are getting their flowers for shit that they should have gotten. People weren't fucking talking about or anything, but so we got Bo Burnham wins his first ever Grammy for all eyes on me from inside, which is dope. Inside was crazy. Uh, hilarious. Um, really hit some certain things on the head. Got a little too preachy at points, but it's whatever he was kind of going in that direction with this and kind of dealing with a lot of the COVID pandemic stuff. So I think it was deserved. Um, another crazy, great, uh, Grammy one that I think was also deserved, uh, was, um, fucking Tyler, the creator got a Grammy for, I think it was best album for fucking, um, call me if you get lost, which was the best album of 2021. I don't give a fuck what you talk about, who you are, whatever. It was the best album of 2021. So many people slept on that album because people it wasn't an Igor. It wasn't like him singing about love or whatever. And so many people slept on that album. That is a grade A fucking hip hop record. It is fucking will go down. In, or I hope it goes fucking down in the history and the annals fucking like hip hop greatness, you know, because... That album gave you sophistication, but then also mixtape. It put you, it seated you within the world of hip hop, but then took you to a yacht club, took you to, you know, a Golf de la Fleur or whatever. Like it took you right into his universe, but, you know, he utilized DJ drama and like all of that stuff to such a great degree in that album. And everybody that was on the album had some of the best verses out of those people you had heard or at least I had heard in years. So I'm so glad that that album is getting its fucking, you know, just desserts because it deserved it. More people should have been talking about that album. That is one of Tyler's best albums. And again, one of the best albums of 2021, that album beats out by miles, by miles, 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 miles. It beats out Donda. It beats out Certified Lover Boy. And you cannot tell me nothing. You can't because Certified Lover Boy and Donda, both from that year, are both albums that are examples of those artists just sticking with what 
what the fuck they know how to do and not really changing. <coughs> and as you can tell, <clears throat> I'm still affected, but that is those artists sticking with what they know and not really expanding. Whereas Call Me If You Get Lost, you could argue is very much a Tyler the Creator album, but is it is his essence expanded out to the most luxurious level. It is it is him taking that golf wang like approach that he's been rolling with since forever, that sophistication that's always kind of been there in his music and putting it forefront and being like, oh, in a time where most people can't make or most people can but everybody's kind of over the whole entire like flaunting your, uh, <clears throat> you know, flaunting your wealth, flaunting your this, flaunting your that, you know, everybody's over that stuff now. People don't care. People don't want to deal with it, whatever, right? Um, in an era where that's kind of on the way out, he took that, that idea that is a very big part of hip hop and rap music and put it in a completely alternative context that not only fits in within his like worldviews or, or like his not just worldview but his like sonic world that he has created um like i said that it, sophistication fascination with old kind of you know um like leisure like 1950s kind of you know yacht club kind of vibe wes anderson sprinkled in there you know all these kind of things that he's hitting on that he's been hitting on forever he finally got to actually like put out into a full cohesive thought killed it so happy about that <clears throat> so happy about bo burnham i don't know who the fuck else won i think olivia rodrigo probably run some shit good for you don't care but those two deserved it beyond like my typical opinion of this shit which is fuck award shows who cares about award shows it's not a big goddamn deal and if you care about that kind of shit or care you know it's all it is is a big gigantic popularity contest pissing contest thing in the industry that people just do to do with whatever right um then you just gotta you know the good art is out there and it's not going to be dictated by whatever the fuck happens at these award shows. But those two are definitely two that needed to get their flowers. Um, another hard, another hard turn, another hard just, but we're going to go into uh, obvious, obvious stuff, of course, but windows 10 supposedly not as popular or not windows 10 windows 11, huh? So supposedly not as popular as Microsoft wanted it to be. And I wonder why, uh, no, I don't wonder why. Uh, I mean, it's kind of obvious when you come out with an operating system and the first thing that everybody starts talking about with it is, oh, you need this extra module that basically makes it so that any computer past a certain point can't download that fucking operating system because that computer's technically not um, able to use it. Like what, you know, for some arbitrary reason, you know, partially based on security, but it's like whatever, you know. All of that stuff I just said, when that hits the average person, they're not going to be like, oh, yeah, I should upgrade to Windows 11. They're going to be like, that sounds like a fucking bunch of ridiculous shit that I don't want to bother with. And as long as my computer works now and I have like, what, two or three years until they stop, you know, supporting Windows 10, might as well stay on Windows 10, which is kind of my plan because whatever new technology that's coming out really hasn't hit uh, in such a way where everybody's clamoring being like oh you should go you should really go get 11 so i'm kind of chilling on 11 um 
beyond the fact that like they kind of keep changing and moving shit around in general anyways and that pisses me off and it just seems like 11's another version of that and i already got used to where the fuck everything is in windows 10 and so i kind of don't want to transition quite yet until either the next windows comes out or they make it worth my while when it comes to 11 or it just gets to a point where nothing's being supported anymore and i have to do it anyways um but you know, surprise, surprise, Microsoft, if you don't make an interesting product, if you don't kind of push the envelope, if you don't do something different besides copy apples, like try to make stuff rounded. Like I remember, you know, people were like, oh my God, rounded corners. And I was just like, that is like the last fucking thing I could give two shits about when it comes to like UI interface on Windows, you know? How about like, let's decide if we're going to have desktop icons or we're gonna have touchscreen tiles. How about let's figure out if we're gonna live on a desktop or live in a touchscreen world or figure out some kind of interface that can do both, which I thought Windows kind of had already figured out, but we keep fucking moving around all the shit and playing around with all those shenanigans. And it's just kind of, you know, it's kind of mind numbing after a while, you know, you're kind of like, what the fuck are we doing here? You know? Um, but whatever, you know, that's Windows 11, you know, maybe someday everybody will hop on. Maybe they'll have to hop on when the direct storage stuff comes through the pipeline. And, you know, if that becomes a big, you know, mainstay or not, when it comes to like video games on the computer, you know, but I can play a lot of the stuff that I want to play for the most part pretty decently, you know, with my current setup. And that's nothing crazy. It's not like a, you know, most spectacular setup. It's not the worst setup. You know, it is what it is. Um, speaking of regrets or expectations, not necessarily getting there or whatever, Jack Dorsey talked about regretting his role in creating the centralized internet that we have and live with today. Though I would argue that the internet is not necessarily... It is centralized, but I think it is centralized because people chose to go to the places that they went to, you know? I mean, as I think we've seen the different social media, like, entities pop up over the last, like, decade or so, and we've kind of seen things, you know, bounce in and out and come in and out of popularity, rise and fall, if you will. I think we've seen a lot of different um, aspects kind of change when it comes to um, how social media is, how people want to carry themselves on social media and different things that it can facilitate, uh, that others can't, for instance, an only fans cropping up when, you know, majority of the other social media networks don't want to have anything to do with uh, pornography content, right? You're going to have like voids that get filled by stuff like that. Uh, and you know, he regrets decentralizing it because he wishes he could go back to a time where he was going to what a centralized area where everybody was talking like the internet's always kind of been hubs and i think this idea that it was always going to be this free landscape um is a great idea but you're going to run into the idea that you know people are going to want to extract some kind of resource out of this and companies have figured out how to do that in spades with the technological revolution and where that's all gone. And so, you know, kind of, I, this is where I think a lot of intellectuals kind of run into the problem of kind of their thinking gets too, the thinking becomes too optimistic and gets ahead of themselves. And they think that the world operates on these like principles that they might operate on. It's a thing that I, regularly run into when I hear people talk about like artificial intelligence and how that's not gonna like go psychotic and like destroy half the planet for whatever reason they're like oh well because good people will make it and you're like 
sure, well, yeah, like a good person can make a gun, but that doesn't mean a bad person's not going to get a hold of that gun and kill somebody with it. Like, that's the thing that we're dealing with is like these people that are supposed to be these massive vanguards of like intellectualism are not even thinking one step ahead, not even thinking one step ahead. They are literally just raking in the millions and then, you know, getting towards the end of it and being like, oh man, I regret doing this. <laughs> you know, like Jack Dorsey can sit here and say, I regret doing this after they banned Trump way after the fact of before, you know, they should have banned him way back when. But again, you get into like these weird legality realms when it comes to like, he was the president. It's like, you can't just ban, you know? And so, you know, I think it's, it's interesting that we're getting kind of a, a look behind the curtain, or at least these people are even speaking to the public when it comes to like technological revelation and stuff like that, because I don't really think a lot of the public way back when had interfaces with people such as Nikola Tesla or stuff like that. And so it's interesting that we get those interfaces now, because I think what it is starting to allow people to see is that people like Elon Musk and people like Jack Dorsey and some of these supposed super intelligent, whatever the hell people are actually kind of psychos. They're psychopaths. They really don't have like, like borderline good intentions or in good intentions paved in the blood and sweat of, you know, how many different lives we have no idea, you know, like a lot of this stuff can get real dark and murky really quickly. And we're rushing headfirst into a future where it's looking like a lot of the uh, different pillars of society aren't ready to kind of grapple with the things that are going to kind of come at us. So, I mean, we'll see. It's it's very funny that Jack Dorsey is just like, oh, man, I regret centralizing the Internet. Um, but, you know, I guess you win some, you lose some. I don't know. Um, supposedly, by 2026, they're saying that new vehicles much average 40 miles per the gallon. Now, I remember reading stories about people discovering the ability to create engines that were ridiculously efficient, you know, back in the fifties, but these engines getting bought by companies like shell and basically these inventions or these modifications to the typical combustion oil combustion engine, stuff like that were kind of locked away um, in favor of making people pay more for gas basically. And now we've gotten to this point where we can't really have gas vehicles anymore because it's just going to keep polluting the planet. But we're also going to have to worry about infrastructure, which we don't have in place for electric vehicles. And we're also going to have to worry about the fact that like our population is the one that's falling and we have population points throughout the world that are the ones that are growing. And hopefully they and their people try to advance green technology and their area because if they don't, then, you know, are facing down a rough barrel, but I think this uh, average 40 miles to the gallon by 2026 is a interesting metric because it shows you kind of where the industry and where our culture is. We're not thinking about, you know, get out alternatives. We're thinking about, well, we're going to stick with oil, but we're going to get you some better, we're going to get you some better gas guzzlers. Um, and it's just very interesting. You know, we're not rushing towards the green future that everybody thought we would. And I think we're running into certain technological barriers that were we that will be solved very quickly here. But there's still barriers, barriers to entry um, 
though people forget like people talk about like oh man how you have an electric car the battery on it that'll blow up just like your phone battery well i mean they people said the same exact stuff about oil combustion engines like how are you driving around on a uh, and on a bed of oil with wheels on it you know isn't the whole entire car gonna explode at any moment now right and you know people moved on away from those fears and eventually kind of took went in a different direction you know what i mean um and so it'll just be interesting to kind of see where that all goes with technology i mean you know for the last decade or so i've been hearing people say oh man just wait in the next like decade or so it's gonna be all self-driving cars nobody's gonna be driving their own shit you won't have to worry about nothing and i just have a feeling that people really don't kind of understand how uh early that tech is and how like a lot of it is burgeoning and doing some interesting shit but like I think we're very far off from this completely automated future that everybody keeps talking about. If not, not because the technology isn't there, but because the reason to even implement the technology isn't necessarily money, like monetarily apparent to a whole bunch of different groups. And so they're just not going to do it until, you know, they have to last moment, whatever. Um, but yeah, you know, that this is what it is uh the last thing i have to talk about um and i guess will be this episode of slept on though it was this is an interesting slept on um if any of you have ever heard of reddit um reddit has different subreddits basically different internet forums you can post on that are themed around different things you know you know themed around subjects anything from a sports team country video game book you know media pro whatever you can possibly imagine subject such as movies such as music whatever any kind of thing that you can possibly imagine subreddit for it right well there is a subreddit called our place right and this subreddit has just recently started a thing at the top of its it's basically its head um oh god they invaded the whole entire duck just looking at it now so basically and i don't know how long they're gonna go i thought they were going to end it today this is uh april 4th though they're gonna end it today but it doesn't look like they're gonna end it today but basically what it is is they have a spot above the forms it's like a header kind of image and at our place, and they did this back in 2017, it was the first time they did this, they decided to make it an interactive game where any person that had a Reddit account could go in to this interactive board that was, I think it's 1000 by 1000 pixels, I think, or I don't remember, what is it, 2000 by 2000 pixels? Oh, it's 2000 by 2000 pixels. Okay, so it's 2000 by 2000 pixels. And basically what it is, is any user on Reddit can go in there and click one pixel and change the color of that one pixel to 12 different colors. I think it's 12 different colors. Um, every five minutes, if they're a verified user and every 20 minutes, if they're a non-verified user or other kind of person. And so basically what this has led to as these massive communities kind of going in there and, you know, creating like their own flags and coordinating, putting up like all of this, like crazy stuff. And, uh, I originally kind of started seeing people kind of mess around with this and do stuff with this, but I didn't really know what the fuck it was. Didn't know that it had happened before in 2017. 
um, didn't know kind of like the cool kind of like nature of it with the internet and how it kind of is this very uh, like you know social situation you can see like even actively right now I'm seeing like you know massive memes that people had put up in this area be kind of demolished by other people coming in and deciding they're gonna like kill this whole entire area I was watching pay money wubby stream the other day uh, I think yesterday actually and he to show that France had all humans and not any bots on their side they literally destroyed all of pay money wubby's square and spelled out human in it and it literally annihilated it now pay money wubby square is pristine and beautiful and perfect right now and it looks like it's going to stay that way the duck is getting invaded and it looks like France is getting taken for a ride right now by somebody I'm not exactly sure uh, I imagine it's probably if I go on like Twitch here, probably Hassan or somebody is really getting in there with that shit. Yeah, it looks like it or, you know, and he's also talking about the cussy and stuff because he put the, ca the car uh, doing the Adalgo face and everything like that. It's it's ridiculous. You should go check it out. It's kind of like a gigantic Internet quilt, you know, just, you know, pixel art of every possible thing that you could possibly imagine. Tons of little Internet jokes, brands, memes, representations of countries and people. And it's just kind of like a wild pseudo social experiment that yeah is kind of pointless but it's just very interesting that people are able to coordinate this the way that they have and how good some of these pictures actually look in pixel art form and that people are actually able to keep these things going and you know keep other people from kind of ransacking theirs and blah 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 and it's it's a very interesting kind of social internet experiment the original one was kind of crazy to see i love to see you know pay money wubby's two spots on it representing you know his first little tiny banner with him and alex and the two cats and then the wubby seven banner which from even like zooming out from space you can still kind of see the wubby seven banner peek out you know over a lot of other different things so he picked a good size for it and it's a good it's a good solid picture that i hope stays there till the end because you know wubby needs to represent um of course but uh that will uh do it for this week's episode of uh, bottom fidelity um i know this is a short one i am still getting over sickness and that's why this was a weird one short one um i would suggest go checking out our place that was my slept on um and if you have any questions you can get at me at uh, noclean at gmail.com i will hopefully get back to you in a good amount of time or whatever and you know more stuff to come i'm gonna this is like my first couple weeks starting my new job and everything so my schedule is kind of rocky on top of me getting sick so it's been kind of crazy but hopefully everything will kind of settle down um and then i'll be able to like kind of get a more consistent schedule at least with this going i'm still shooting for the weekend i'm still shooting for like saturday sunday hopefully we won't have too many more of these monday shows but who knows you might get a show on monday instead of during the weekend if you didn't get one that last week i'm not you know exactly 100 sure what to tell you but <coughs> Let me cough the death out of me. But anyways, I hope you guys have a good guys and gals and everybody. Uh, I hope you have a good day. And uh, this is the Bottom Fidelity Podcast. My name is Joshua Vijo. See you later.